Welcome, friends, to the Into the Harvest podcast, where we hope to bring you the confidence and clarity you need to be a disciple and make disciples in everyday places of life. I'm Abigail Wilson. And I'm Andrew Stroud. And we are here today um, to do one of our fun question and answer times. Uh, we basically said, ask us anything, um, but hopefully not something we don't know about. <laughs> and you guys totally delivered, and we may or may not know how to answer these, but we're going to do our very best today. I'm excited about it. You ready to go, Andrew? Yeah, we're going to have fun. We said, ask us anything. We did not promise that we would have all the answers. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, like, we like in tiny, tiny fonts underneath, we were like, we probably won't know the answer, but we'll try. Yep. So, yeah. All right. Well, we ready to get into it. Hey, where is Keith, by the way? I see this. He's chilling with his new baby. Friends, it's hard having a new baby. Yeah, he's he's still adjusting to the family, and also, I mean, in in positive news, he was able to restart his uh, part time job uh, this past week. So his schedule is kind of shifting right now, but it's kind of nice that he's able to go back to work um, or start going back to work. So it's a it's a it's a good thing. Yeah, that's a great update. I really wish that we lived there so that my sons could get haircuts because and my husband actually. Your, hey, your son's got haircuts. Yeah, but we've already discussed that. That's never happening again. <laughs> like, actually, only one son got the haircut. The other son looked at the first son and said, mm, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm good. The, the four-year-old was too discerning, and he was like, eh, I'm cool. So That's anyway, funny. well, glad that Keith is back in business. All right. Are we ready to jump in? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. First question. Why don't you start us off? Yeah. So this actually came out of, this was a question that was asked based on a Facebook live that we did a few weeks back called creative obedience in uncertain times. Um, we did that on how to continue to gather, grow and go, which are three things that the Lord calls us to do. And how do we do that when we're living in a time of social distancing and stay at home orders? And so one question that we didn't get around to is it was actually left on the YouTube channel. So it wasn't left during the, the live broadcast because we had a time for questions at the end of that. So we wanted to go ahead and, and get to it today. And it's actually specifically for you, Abigail. So Jen asked, um, how do these three commands to gather, grow and go look for women and specifically mothers during during this season um she says this situation hasn't exactly given us any extra time especially if you are homeschooling out of the blue which which many of our moms are um, suddenly homeschooling plus everything else that was going on so she wondered if you abigail might speak to that um i'll try <laughs> I think um, the first thing that I would want to say to Jen and really to all of the moms out there is to um, <clears throat> let's just stick with the G words there and give ourselves a lot of grace. <laughs> so um, we still want to do all that um, that conversation was about. It was so, so good. If you have not heard that convo between uh, John and Andrew, go listen to it. It was really great. And I think it we aren't off the hook necessarily on any of those things because I see them really as commands that Jesus has given all of us, um, no matter who you are and what your job is. Um, but I do think 
in saying that, uh, that you can also give yourself some grace in seasons such as this. Um, and I was reading in First Thessalonians in my quiet time this last week, and I was just struck again um, by the verse, I think it's maybe in chapter three, but it's, you know, lead a quiet life, mind your own business, work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win respect and you won't be dependent on others. This is such a great verse, but it also points us to taking care of business. Like we still have to provide for our families. We still have to take care of our families and we still, you know, have to like put food on the table. So I think that we have to maybe look to something like this first, which is actually really encouraging when we've got all these things that we could be doing. Maybe even like the people on your personal social media are real like go-getter doers and they're like out there and I don't know, like doing a million Zoom Bible studies or something. Um, just remember that this is legitimately what the Bible says, like leading a quiet life and minding your own business, taking care of your kids and your family situation is actually an honorable and noble thing. So I guess just show yourself grace as you're doing all those things that um, John and Andrew were talking about. Um, see how much you can multitask. I really do think women are like the best multitaskers. Like I'm just going to go ahead and be really sexist there and <laughs> this may us better, but, um, but I think God made us that way for a reason so that we could maybe do some of those things together. And I think, you know, just be creative and find ways to connect those dots. But when you can't, it's okay to just take care of business. And some days we wake up and that's literally all we can accomplish and that's when you give yourself grace. So, you know, and hopefully homeschooling is almost over. Like just a few more weeks. We can do it. We're going to make it. So I don't know. That's my best answer. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good one, uh, obviously for women. But I would also just say in general, this is such a crazy season. I know just over the past week, um, you know, I, I've really just felt sort of out of out of sorts. Um, so it's affecting all of us, and and maybe if if you are a, a wife and mother who has had the the domestic side of life completely flipped, you know, just know that I think it's it's feeling that way for a lot of folks, and so you know, grace is something that we definitely want to to um, keep in view. Yes, and we know a lot of um, uh, military wives, a lot of single moms. You guys just you know. Just keep those kids alive. I'm pretty sure that's biblical somewhere. So <laughs> survive this. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we we're, we see you. We support you. Right. All right. Are we ready for the next one? I Any more so. thoughts? Okay, yep. let's do it. Okay. So um, Lloyd over on Instagram said, when reading the Bible, is it better to go for quantity or quality? Yeah, I actually think this is a great question. Maybe like instinctively you would say, well, obviously quality. Um, I don't know, Abby, how, how you would feel about that. But I mean, that's sort of like my gut response is, well, yeah, um, quality is definitely what you want to go for. And I, I think that that's uh, true, but I don't think it is the full picture. I do think that quantity actually comes into play when it comes to uh, reading the Bible. And what I mean by that is when I was first getting started reading the Bible, I was discipled by... Um, a guy who was 30 years older than me and had read the Bible probably 
at the time that Cecil began to disciple me, I think he had probably read the Bible, I don't know, 30 plus times because he was reading the Bible every year. That was his, his plan. And so if you do that, if you read the Bible yearly, then, you know, quantity begins to really build up over the, t- over the years. And one of the ways that he described it is, um, you know, your, your mind and your, your view of life, your filter, so to speak, has, has been colored by sin and the world as you grow up and you begin to follow Jesus, read the scriptures, and your mind begins to be renewed. Uh, Romans 12. But it's kind of like he, he compared it to um, a, a room that is has been painted in a darker color. And as you begin to read the Bible, it's it's like painting over that that dark color with a, a white coat of paint. And so um, what you need to do is you actually need to put multiple coats of paint. Otherwise, the the old paint begins to bleed through. And it's really like that with our, our mindset and our way of thinking is that even if you read the Bible um, all the way through and you read it, you really take your time painting and reading the Bible, um, you just need to paint over your, your mind again and again and again to have that filter, to have that, uh, that mind renewed. And so I, I do think that both are very advantageous now, obviously, if you're reading and you're not retaining anything, um, if you're not really reflecting, then if you've got no quality, then the quantity isn't really going to help. But if you're trying to to reflect and to understand and pray and ask God to open your mind and help you see the truth in the scriptures, then you know quantity can be a very important uh, part of it. And I think I've seen that in my own life over the years that um, when you get into reading the Bible the fourth or fifth time, some light bulbs begin to go off that even if you were reading slowly and carefully, you just would not have made connections because what begins to happen when you've read the Bible multiple times is you'll be reading in a certain place and the spirit, your memory will automatically trigger, hey, there's another part of the Bible that talks about that. And it, it would just begin to happen. And so um, I would say both are really important but don't sleep on quantity, which is one reason why I think it's a good it's a good idea to try to read through the Bible on a regular basis. If you can do it in a year, I think that's great. If it's 18 months, that's great. But try to be consistently reading through the scriptures in their entirety. But what do you think, Abigail, with quality versus quantity in terms of reading the Bible? Yeah, well, you said it. Um, I was going to say, well, just don't forget about consistency. Uh, I think that that really is key. And you know what you were saying about quality, I kind of agree, like that was kind of the immediate answer. But then quality kind of comes from the Holy Spirit, like how whatever we're going to get out of it that day, you know, whatever we're meditating on, like, that's a gift from the Lord, honestly. Um, And I've talked to a lot of people about like, well, what about when I'm going through just just a real dry season, like I, I read the word and like, nothing is happening. Like, there's no you know, quality there. Do I just then go to quantity? And I'm kind of like, well, sort of, you kind of do. You just, um, you're just consistent, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I do think um, we're always probably, our goal is quality. Um, And I think 
the quantity, who this is like a tongue twister. So having <laughs> trouble with this, but the quantity just kind of comes, um, for me personally. Um, I, I find that, you know, some days I just have more time maybe and can keep going and you kind of just feel that desire to keep reading. Um, and so you should just really fight for that fight for those moments. Um, where they're both happening. So I'm going to go with both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. And I, I think it's really true. Um, and your point about, you know, they, going through dry periods, I, I want to encourage people that that, I think that's normal. It's very normal. It's almost like uh, growth spurts, that there are times where it just seems like every time you crack open the Bible, that God is showing you something new and it's exciting and it's fresh and it's motivating and there will then there will absolutely be stretches where you are obediently drawing near to God. You're showing up. You're listening, and He just may not be speaking to you at the same level that He has in the past. And part of part of abiding in Christ is to continue to draw near to Him and to make that choice to to read the Scriptures, um, to pray. And to ask God to to guide and and teach you, even during seasons where it's it's not as inspirational, it, because it'll loop back. You, you, those seasons will come again. So I encourage people who are struggling through those dry periods to to stick with it and be consistent. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready for our next question? Yes. Okay, so Albert on Instagram said, why doesn't the Bible mention about the prophet Muhammad and the negative impact of Islam? Yeah, <laughs> um, this is actually, I think, a, a, a good question. And it, yeah. it's, it's kind of a broader, maybe we can move into a broader conversation about all the things that the Bible uh, doesn't talk about. <laughs> well, that's a long list, so. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's kind of the point. When I, when I first came to faith, uh, my own journey involved a friendship with a co-worker who was a Jehovah's Witness. And so I was really motivated to read the Bible by this friend who had a different understanding of God and certainly of Jesus, of salvation. And so in the early months of, of my walk with Christ, you know, when I came to faith, I really wanted to study um, Jehovah's Witness beliefs because I thought, man, I've got friends who are involved in this and I, I don't think they're seeing the scriptures um, the way that I understand them. And so let me study this. And I, I truly believe it was God's guidance during that time that I was prompted to, you know, don't study all the things that deviate from the truth that's revealed in Jesus. Study Jesus. So study the light, study the truth. And then when you see these aberrations, these, these points of, of, departure from the truth and from the scriptures, you're going to recognize them for one, because you know the truth, you've studied the truth. And then secondly, you're going to know how to respond to many different uh, variations of, of truth or of the narrative, because you've studied the true one, you've, you've studied the story. Um, and so I think in general, you know, we want to study what has been revealed. Um, because it's it's going to help us identify departures from that truth. Does that make sense, Abigail? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I think the Bible is about God. The whole thing is about his character, about who he is. It's about his story. And he doesn't really 
ever, if you think about it, like there's no real like long study on things that deviate from God. Like he does point to things that are not hit like him, but it's only to show more of his glory. So he only does, does so much as to just continue to point back to him. And I love what you said there, because if we are in study of him, then that makes the contrast all the clearer. Um, when I was reading this question, I did think of the verse in Matthew 24, uh, which says, and I wrote it down, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead people astray, if possible, even the elect. So there it is. It's right there. In <laughs> so he does talk about it. And I yeah. think, um, and maybe that's just enough, you know, because there are going to be um, religions and cults and um, prophets and all through time and space where who it will come and arise and lead people astray. And so it's really, um, we don't want to put any emphasis on just one. Um, uh, the Muslim religion is just one. Right. And so, and it may be a big one, but it's, it's just one of many. And so we really want to be in study of the true God. So. Yeah. And it ties into uh, another, um, another truth, another viewpoint that we have as believers. And that is that in Jesus, all the fullness of God uh, resides and, and in him, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. We're studying Colossians chapter two, um, this week. And those are both statements that come out of Colossians chapter two. Another one is that, that Jesus is the substance and everything else is, is shadow. So you want to study the real thing and not get too caught up in the alternatives that, that the world has offered. And it's, it's one reason why we believe that, that the canon of scripture, the official word of God closed with the passing of the apostolic generation and so the reason we don't recognize, for instance, the Book of Mormon or the Quran is because we understand Jesus to be the, the, fullest, um, the, the fullest picture, the image of God in the flesh. And so his first followers, his witnesses, those who actually spent time with him, listened to him, um, and then went out and told others about him, that's the best picture of God that you're going to get. It's not going to get any better than that. So anything that comes after that, so with Islam coming centuries later after, after Jesus and claiming to give an even better picture of, of God, we as Christians, we don't agree with that. We don't accept that because we believe that Jesus himself is God in the flesh, and you're not going to get better. You're not going to get a better revelation of God than Jesus. And that's why, like I said, when the apostolic generation, those who had observed Jesus first person in the flesh, when they passed away and their, the writings that Christians were writing after that were interpretations of the revelation that was witnessed by that first generation of followers of Jesus, the apostles specifically, um, that was a step below because what the apostles gave us was the, the witness of Jesus that they saw firsthand, the words of Jesus that they heard first person. And so Book of Mormon, Quran, other religious texts that have come after that, um, and, and even those that came before, we have such a high view of Jesus that, you know, we, we don't think you can get better than that. Yeah, I'm reminded of the story about, you know, people that 
find counterfeit bills, they can literally just pick one up and they know that it's a counterfeit mm. bill because they're so used to handling the real thing. So that's actually how you teach a counterfeiter is not to focus on all the different types of counterfeits because there's a lot and they're always making new ones. Um, but that's not how they teach people to find a counterfeit. They actually have them know the proper bill. So then when you pick it up, you immediately know that it's false. So I think it actually circles about really well to our last question of we just want to be in the word in such a way, you know, washing over with the paint of, you know, covering over, you know, all of us and having such a good, solid understanding of his word and who he is that we just pick up that bill and it may be a different counterfeit than before, but we're going to know it right away. So. Yeah, it's it's so important, you know, to to stay in the scriptures, to study the scriptures, and to fix our eyes on Jesus. It, you can spend so much time studying and investigating all of the departures from that truth that you don't have the time. You're not adequately spending time studying the scriptures and studying Jesus, and um, that would be a mistake. Hey friends, thanks for watching the show. I wanted to take a quick moment to say if you're someone who's looking for insights, ideas, and inspiration that will fuel your faith for the 21st century, then make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter, Harvest Highlights. It's free and it's loaded with resources that will help you be a disciple and make disciples in the everyday places. So make sure you check it out. There's a link in the description of this video. Back to the show. Okay, on that note... <laughs> We will head on to the next question. So this is from Heather in San Diego. Is there a relationship between an individual's personal walk with Jesus and their daily relationships with other believers? If so, what do you think it is and what would be optimal? Well, so short short answer is yes, there's definitely a, a connection, a relationship between my individual walk with Jesus and my daily relationship with other believers. And, and that's because in John 15, our relationship with Jesus is described as branches to a vine. And so the life, the perspective, the spirit that, that animates us and guides our lives is coming from Jesus. It's not something that, that we're coming up uh, with on our own. Um, we, we need him to have anything of, of value to offer to others. And so if we're not walking with Jesus, if that personal connection with him um, is missing, or if it's, if it's weakened, if it's being neglected, then it's absolutely going to affect all of our relationships with other people and certainly with, with other believers. So I'm curious about the question of if, if that's so, then what would be optimal? So Abby, do you have any thoughts on, since there is you a connection- You gave me the hard part. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try, I'll take a stab at it too. Okay. But, uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with what you said. You got the easy part. Thanks a lot. If there's no hard or easy part, we're kidding. Um, but I, I totally agree. Um, our church has actually been doing um, a study on spiritual giftings over the last few weeks. So this is just something that I recently kind of been re-getting back into as far as what um, Jesus had in mind, what God had in mind when he kind of created us, the, the church, like the 
big C. Um, and that is we are one body and all of us together is really what can even remotely start to look like Jesus. Um, and so we've been talking about this a lot. So this is kind of fresh in my mind as far as um, that particular vein. So kind of, I'm going to get to the question, I promise. <laughs> okay, so I I, um, I really loved how as we were talking about the spiritual gifts, it became very clear, even within our own little church and the gifts that we had represented, that all of those really can only be practiced within the body. Like some of them you might think, oh, you know, you can do that one at home, like by yourself with, with God. Um, but really the the way to like develop them and strengthen them, like every single one of them needed to be with the body of believers. It was really kind of crazy. Um, so I guess uh, optimal is as much as you can muster without becoming a commune that doesn't see the world. So I think that was like my one caveat. It's not like a clear, awesome answer, but just that we want to be with the body of believers um, to build one another up and encourage one another, strengthen each other, um, all those things. I think that's how we're supposed to be um, in community together. And then our job is to be out in the harvest with the lost, um, to have more believers. Uh, that's the goal. So I think there's a, there's a fine line there because if we're just like together with the church and we're just this happy family, we can get really comfortable. And then we have just totally lost our vision and our goal, which is to reach the lost. So there has to be this balance of being part of the body of Christ and being with other believers, but also being incredibly open to the world around us and really see it. Um, when we're with other believers, it's so comfortable. It's so wonderful. Um, and it can be very hard to, um, to see out of it sometimes. Or on the other hand, we're also a hot mess. And so we can be so busy sorting out the messes within our own body that we, you know, lose sight of the goal. So I'm just going to throw that in. It probably was not what you meant, Heather, when you asked the question, but that's just what I thought of. So what do you think, Andrew? What you were saying reminded me of First uh, Corinthians 12. It's talking about the gifts. Yeah, But it starts in verse 7. It actually starts out by saying that the Spirit's presence is shown in some way in each believer, in each person for the common good. And so you do see that connection that God's, that God's presence, the Spirit within us, is shown or demonstrated in some way in each person for the common good, for the good of all. And, and so that's... That's a truth that God wants to work through us in the life of the church, but also through us individually and as a church family to to reach those who are still outside of the family of faith. Um, the last thing I wanted to, to mention on this idea of what's optimal <laughs> is I think it's it's natural to say or to think kind of like with the question of quality versus quantity. I think it would be natural for us to think that, well, I've got to have a really solid walk with the Lord so that I have um, mm. a solid connection with other believers. And so I think that that's basically true, that that's accurate, but I don't think it's complete. Um, I think our relationship with others also um, flows into our relationship with God. 
uh, with Jesus. And so in Romans 12, verses 10 and 11, we're told to um, be devoted to one another in brotherly affection, to give preference to one another in honor, to not lag behind in diligence, but to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And so that, that very last little phrase, you know, everything is all about being devoted to one another, giving preference, serving one another, outdo one another. And then at the very end, we're told that that's actually how we're serving the Lord. So when we sacrifice and when we serve and when we give preference to other members of the family of faith, it's actually a part of our serving the Lord himself. And so it's not, they're so connected that it, it can be helpful to talk about them individually, but just know that it, it's all part of our, our faith journey. And it's all part of the life of discipleship that we're called to. You know, Abby, why don't we, we've got about 10 minutes left on, okay. on today's show. Why don't we skip down to Allison's question about, um, you know, how do you share the gospel with a stranger or with a friend? And, okay. um, and give some practical tools and tips for that. So sure. you want to take a first stab at that, and then we'll, we'll cover some of these other questions on another show. Sure. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think they're definitely different. So I'm glad that you asked about both Allison. Good job. Because, um, I definitely use kind of different tactics. Um, so with a stranger, um, I would just go ahead and say the entry will be awkward. So just prepare yourself for that. Uh, or just maybe that's just for me. But with, when it's Abigail, it's going to be. <laughs> but I just really like to lean into awkward. So just do that. Just really lean into it. You can even say, I know this is weird. You can even say like, hey, I know this is a little crazy, but... Um, and then you just go for it. Um, so that's the intro that you would use. <laughs> and then um, I will often, um, for me, a non-evangelist, usually the Holy Spirit for real has to tell me to share the gospel with someone. And he does, by the way, if you're open to that, he really will start telling you to talk to strangers. And then I will use the Holy Spirit as the scapegoat. So I will say, you know what? I just felt like I should come over here and talk to you about Jesus. Or um, I just came over here because I felt like God told me to. Do you mind if I tell you a story? Mm -hmm. So I um, will tell my own very short testimony. If you do not have your own testimony down to like one or two minutes, practice doing that because strangers more than anyone have a short attention span for you. They're like, they're really judging who you are in this moment. They've never met you. They don't know you. And so they really are having to kind of sort out um, who you are. Are you a Jehovah's Witness? <laughs> so um, it's good to really go straight for the gospel right away. Um, and I really try to just talk to strangers and really hear from them as well, even though they're a stranger. If they're willing to talk, I want to listen. So there's a listen factor too. Andrew, we really don't have a ton of time. Um, do you want to share how you would share with a stranger? Maybe we'll save sharing with a friend for our next episode. Jim Downing once would describe evangelism as soil testing. And so what he meant by that is the Lord has already been at work in, in people's lives, or maybe he hasn't. 
um, you, you don't really know. And with strangers, that that lack of knowledge is complete. You really have no idea that what who this person is or what their background is. Um, and so when talking with strangers, it's it's important to as much as possible listen and look for for clues of you know are they receptive to truth uh, to the message of Jesus and so I, I think you know asking some some basic questions as much as possible about their own history their own background you know I, I, lo- I love your idea of sharing your testimony Abigail and some of the training that we've gone through is to, to share even like your 10 second testimony. Yeah, which that's is too like, short for me. I am sorry. <laughs> well, here's where I think it, it can help is if you, if you give just a really quick um, one sentence that yeah. makes it clear that you're a person of faith. Um, and then you move to a question to ask someone about, you know, their own view of life and their own background. Did, you know, did they grow up? you know, going to mass or have they ever read the Bible? Have they ever been curious about it? Then, you know, people, especially people that are are good soil, soil that the Lord has been cultivating, um, they'll begin to display that. And and if not, you know, they're pretty quick to let you know too that that's not something they're super interested in. So the the quicker you can try to move into a conversation, I think um, the better on that. Colossians chapter four, I would encourage people to read Colossians chapter four. It really fits with what you started out by saying there, Abigail. So, you know, Paul describes the difference, I think, between the work that he was doing, which was much more oriented towards strangers and the work that the uh, the believers there in Colossae um, were going to be doing, which was working with family, friends, neighbors. And so he um, he asks that they would pray for him. And this is what he wanted them to pray. This is in Colossians 4, verses um, 3 and 4. He says, Pray at the same time for us, that God would open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. And so he's praying for an open door, He's praying that they would speak forth clearly this mystery of Jesus. Mm. Then in verses 5 and 6, it moves more towards sharing with friends or neighbors or people that you've got ongoing contact with. And he says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. So before he's praying for an open door, now he's saying, you've got opportunities. It's a question of, are you conducting yourself with wisdom Um, And he says, making the most of the opportunity, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And so with those ongoing relationships, it's really more about conducting yourself with wisdom, sprinkling your speech with salt, and making um, and responding to people. Whereas with strangers, it's going to be much more about initiating boldness, clarity, you know, praying for opportunities, praying for open doors. And so there is a a distinction between the two. Yeah, that's really good. And I think um, just with both types of people, um, we really should go into it with an expectant heart that Mm. the Holy Spirit is at work in someone's life before you or I ever get there to say anything. Uh, We are, when we're sharing the gospel, we are joining 
the Holy Spirit and the work that he's doing. So it's really not us at all. Like you could totally fumble that sucker completely up, <laughs> just like barely get your words out. And I've definitely been in those moments where like I'm all nervous and wobbly and the Holy Spirit moves. It's really about the work of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, we should just, no matter who it is, a stranger or a friend or family member, just go in with an expectant spirit to see the work of the Holy Spirit happen. Um, we are just there to be, you know, a tiny piece of that. So take the pressure off of yourself. Um, you know, learn some some tools. I do think um, a very short testimony, whether it's 10 seconds or a whole minute, <laughs> Um, learn how to say the gospel for one thing as clearly as humanly possible and repeat that so that you know it backwards and forwards and you can't mess that up. Um, So I think those are the basic tools that we would suggest. And then just see what the Holy Spirit does um, because it's really his work. All right, friends, we have run out of time for today, but don't worry. We still have some more questions we really want to get to. So we're going to make this a two-parter. So we hope you will join us again. If these questions and answers made you think of more questions (laughs) or you have a better answer than we do, we definitely want to hear about it. Do not hold back. Uh, Leave us a comment um, on this post uh, on YouTube or on Facebook where we post our podcast. We would love to hear from you. So thanks again. Thanks, Andrew. This was fun. We'll see you again next time. Thanks for being part of our community. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends. Or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, clicking on the donate link, and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible. 